All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Lawn Care Radio Network today. I'm Chuck Bowen. I'm the editor at Lawn and Landscape Magazine. Today I have on the other end of the phone here uh, Jason Cup, a longtime uh, friend of the magazine, and uh, he's a management consultant for small businesses and a professional speaker. He ran a very successful landscaping company in the Kansas City area for a long time. He was a former president of Planet. Now he, he travels the country talking with a lot of landscapers and uh, has a lot of great stories to share. So uh, first of all, Jason, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, hop on the phone with me today. You bet, Chuck. Glad to be here. I think one of the biggest things that I hear from contractors these days is complaints and concerns about labor, and from the crew level all the way up through the organizational chart, and how everyone is struggling to find good help. And I think uh, one part of that conversation that, that doesn't always happen beyond the actual acquisition of talent is managing that talent and, you know, doing the back office, the required back office stuff uh, on the HR side. And I know that's something you work with folks a lot with. Can you talk about kind of your experience with working with other landscapers and, and kind of their HR struggles that they've gone through? Um, it, it is a crazy topic. And i got to tell you, if there's one reason that my phone rings now from people in the landscape community, it's with the human resources question, whether that be, you know, how to, how to hire someone or, you know, how to set the documents up relative to hiring somebody um, to an employee handbook question, something that's more severe, like, hey, I've got a problem with an employee. How do I walk them through the successful steps to, you know, to solve this problem? It's crazy some of the things. i got to tell you, I mean, I could sit and talk for days about some of the, just the unique things that pop up in the HR world that's very distressing to business owners. And what makes it even more distressing, Chuck, um, is that is that the laws and the regulations and the compliance and who's regulating those laws, rules, regulations, and compliance from a federal and from a state and from a local standpoint is constantly changing. I mean, as of 1-1 of this year, 1-1 of 2015, there were a lot of federal laws that changed in terms of things that, you know, things you had to have in your handbook. It's like a law that you have to have those things in your employee handbook. And how do small business owners know that? Um, they don't. And then when something bad happens with an employee, um, then they're out of compliance, and that can cause them to get into trouble. And so it's a really sticky, difficult, um, challenging environment that uh, messy hairball called human resources, but business owners have to address it. Otherwise, they have a lot of liability. You know, I think for, for a lot of the guys I talk to, it's on their long list of things to worry about. You know, this is very, very, very low on the list because – I think one, it's it's really super complicated and it's confusing and it's it's not nearly as fun or as sexy as getting out there selling and designing and installing projects. You know, it's it's a pain. I, you know, your point is well made that it's very it's it's so important because you know what if Department of Labor shows up or you get a letter and says we need to verify these six employees. We need that you had this accident on your job site. We need to check your paperwork. I would imagine a lot of guys are going to kind of be left going, well, I didn't even know I was supposed to do this. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. So I guess first step is where does the, where does the contractor even find this information? Who do they call? How do they get the list of things they need to do? Oh, boy, that's a big, that's a big question. And, um, and the answer to that question is, is that they, they honestly, they, they need to reach out to someone that they know and they trust. You know, I mean, Planet has some great HR resources that are available to members at some limited level, I think at no cost. You know, there's, there's guys like me that are out there. There's also people that are local. I mean, there's companies that are completely set up to 
to just manage human resources element. I mean, the sad part is it's almost one of those investments that a business owner has to make, no matter what their size is. If they have one employee, they fall under you know the guise of the Federal Department of Labor, and the Federal Department of Labor can can turn businesses upside down if they want to. Quite frankly, you know, the first kind of check is just to check your compliance. Do you have proper paperwork? you have the proper handbook? Is your handbook applicable to the state that you're working in? And I'll give you a good example. Um, as, as I think you know, Chuck, but listeners might not know, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, which half of our half of our city is in the state of Kansas and half of our city is in the state of Missouri. So when I was running my landscape design build firm here in Kansas City, we had employees that lived and worked and traveled into the state of Kansas and Missouri every single day. So our handbook <clears throat> had to cover the federal levels. So we had to have the Department of Labor stuff in there that's required by federal law. Then we had to have unique um, elements for the, the two individual states. And so you know, for some companies that have employees in multiple, multiple states, like for example in the Washington, D.C. area, you can be in multiple states at any given day. Um, you have sure. to have handbook addendums for those different states if the laws change. You know, so for example, in the state of California, the overtime laws are different in the state of California than they are from the federal level. So you have to actually put in your handbook what the state of California overtime laws are because they're not based on a 40-hour work week. They're based on an eight-hour work day. Oh, man. <laughs> did you just sigh? I did. I did. That that's was, that's, that, I'm, that's maddening. That's the it's sort of so thing where maddening. I hear I'm like, I need someone else to do this for me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and there's resources out there at the state and federal level that can help you get compliant. Um, it's, but it's, you know, obviously, general division red tape. But it, it's, it's, it's nutty because business owners don't know this stuff. And, and like to your point five minutes ago, why would they? Why should they? I mean, they're out right. there running a the business. They're out there, you know, trying to make a dollar. They're out there trying to hire people, let alone make sure the people that they've hired are under a level of compliance. So it is a challenge. I get it. And that's why it's one of the number one reasons why my phone rings. It's the, it's the number one reason why a lot of organizations that I speak for ask me to come in and talk about HR topics because it's something that's confusing and conflicting to business owners. Sure, sure. Because, I mean, I mean, a lot of guys I talked to, they got into landscaping to, like, do landscaping. You know, they didn't. I want to start a business because I want to I wanna push paper around all day and, and make sure I'm out of my eyes and cross my T's, but, sure. but I would imagine this this is where you see a lot of, how do I want to say this, you see a lot of kind of weird stuff. I would imagine after you give one of these talks, you get a lot of guys come up to you and say, like, well, here's my situation. What do I do with this? Absolutely. Can you share maybe one one or two of those and kind of to kind of help illustrate, like, maybe what's a common one that you hear or you think would be useful to, to everybody listening today? Okay, so I can go the most common, or I can go, you know, one of the most obscure. I mean, what, which, which do you think is the value? I mean, I've, I've got let's start with the obscure. Them. So the truth is, is that is that probably one of the more you know bizarre situations occurred to me actually, not to me in my business, but to someone that I was talking to about their business relative to an HR concern, and, um, and it it it, it kind of went down like this. Um, you know, and I've actually told this story to a handful of people before, and usually people just like look at me with a blank stare, kind of going, "Oh my gosh, I can't even believe that happened." But the story kind of goes like this, and and I'll, I'll you know protect <laughs> the identity and you know and kind of shade some of the details so that people can't figure out who or where or what it is. So th this particular situation involved um, an employee 
who, who literally asked the business owner, I mean, flat out walked into the business owner's office, asked the business owner if they would terminate them. So asked to be fired. And yeah, weird. I mean, you'd think most people, and there wasn't a problem with this employee. There wasn't, I mean, it was, there wasn't like arguments that were going on, but literally walked in kind of out of the blue and asked if the, the company would be willing to terminate the employee. And so obviously there was a look of, of bewilderment, kind of like, well, why would you want to, I mean, you, you know, you, you have this job for us. Um, you're doing this job. You come to work every day. Um, why do you want to be fired? And, and, and literally, literally, the, the answer the answer that the employee provided was that they would actually rather collect unemployment than work every day. Do not that that they had kind of ran the numbers or whatever. I don't really know all the details, but their unemployment benefits their unemployment benefits would exceed the the effort that they would have to put in to come to work every single day. And sure. uh, at the same, at, yeah, I mean, just totally bizarre. But I got to tell you that as I heard this story, and I, you know, I learned a little bit more about you know some of the other details that I'm not willing to share on the podcast. I mean, I believe it or not, it, it made sense. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't logical sense, but I mean, it's like I could see, I could see why the employee thought that it would be better to not go to work and get paid by the state in which they lived in. Yeah. Um, to collect unemployment benefits, and but but I mean, still, just the whole shocking part of it. I mean, who literally walks into a business owner's office and says, "There was a longer conversation than just twenty seconds." You know, hey, I don't want to work here anymore. Will you fire me? Oh, and by the way, will you not contest my unemployment because I want to collect? Unemployment. That would be easier for me in some of the life events that I have going on right now. Yeah, I mean, just sure. mind-boggling. The business owner just, I mean, the company was just so blown away, just absolutely, just literally like, you know, about palm to the head, that you know, they didn't even know what to say, but what the thing that they did think to say was, well, you know, if, if that happened, which it's not, I mean, you know, if that happened, <laughs> then, then you're going to lose your benefits, you're going to lose right. your, your, your health insurance, you know, specifically. And the company was aware that this employee had some upcoming health stuff going on because they had already put in for time off or vacation or whatnot. And, you know, and so the business owner was smart enough to say, well, you realize that if, you know, that if we end up doing this, you know, this grand plan of, of uh, the scheme of your surplus, <laughs> fraud. I think we would call that fraud. And I mean, I'm not yeah, a lawyer. Well, but. I, I, yeah, I, you're right. Neither am I. And so... All that to be said is that the next thing out of the um, employee's mouth was even more shocking in that they said, well, that would be the other thing is that could you keep my health insurance intact at the end of the year? So not only, not only did, did they ask to be fired so that they could collect unemployment, they also wanted the company to keep their health insurance intact so that they could you know, deal with these you know, medical stuff that was going on. Chuck. I'm telling you, this is a real, legit, true, accurate story. I'm actually deleting out other pieces of it, to again, to protect the integrity of, of the identity of, of these folks. And this stuff happens in the world of HR. And my hope is, is that, you know, the people that are listening to this right now, that they can actually go, wow, something similar 
to that has happened to me, or or we have really goofy requests sometimes of employees, and how do we handle them? Because it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a challenging thing. Because I mean, you used that word fraud earlier. In my opinion, and again, I'm not an attorney, but my opinion is is that this this employee asked this company to commit two levels of fraud. Number one, to not um, dispute their unemployment, and number two, keep their health insurance intact past when they were an employee. And and so you kind of have this double-edged sword that's you know, that's a pretty significant challenge. How do you handle that? What do you do? I mean, that's so bad. That's so wrong. That's integrity. Well, I mean, and, and right. right? I mean, on, on so many levels, that's so, I mean, it's just bizarre. And, and, I mean, I think the average landscaper deals with various pieces of this story a lot. Where, you mean, you come in and then, you know, some, somebody comes in and says, listen, it's not working out. I can't work here anymore. Or, Something's come up. i I got to quit. Or, you know, people quit all the time. That's just a, a thing that happens, but I think, you know, if I were sitting on the other side of that desk and, and one of one of my say one of my editors came in and said, "I like I, I want you to I want you to fire me," but I so I can collect unemployment. But regardless of what else is going on, it's like well, suddenly I'm complicit in that conversation. Sure. You know, my my immediate my immediate response would be like, "I gotta get I gotta get in touch with our HR person because we have one here." Mm-hmm. If if I was that HR person, also, that's like, oh gosh, what what do I do now? Because that can't happen. Like I can't let that happen. Sure. I can't be complicit in that. The, the, the guy you're working with, I'm sure that he's not the only person in the landscape industry who's ever had that happen to him. You know, as weird as that is, there's a lot of people out there. You know. Well, yeah, and I can tell you, I, I agree with you completely, and, and that's why you know I think that's why you and I have agreed to try to tell these stories when we you know can slow down the treadmill of our lives long enough to record them, because I think that these things happen to business owners, and I think that you have this this complete kind of like, oh, my gosh, this only happens to me attitude. And I can assure you because I hear everybody's stories. I mean, in the business that I'm in, people just trust their, they trust me with their with their dirt and they want to share that with me because I can actually help them <laughs> clean it up, which is good. Well, no, it's a good thing, honestly. I mean, I, I love that element of, of what I get to do to help business owners create clarity in very, very difficult and unclear situations. But I, I think that we would find a lot of business owners nodding their head in agreement because something similar to this, some ridiculous right. activity has occurred with an employee. And I've got to tell you, I mean, I've said this for years. Employees or even business partners or, you know, I don't care who it is, but people that work together when there's money involved, which there always is, sometimes mm-hmm. people do really crazy, weird things. Well, so what happened in this situation? So, so what was kind of the, what was kind of the denouement? What happened after the fact uh, um, with this? With this contractor and, and this this employee, he wanted to be fired. What what happened there? Yeah, well, so, well, so um, you know, so the, there was this conversation that ensued. I mean, so the employee left the the office, and and there was this conversation that you know that the business owner had to have with themselves about you know do, do I really you know okay so this this is a person who was working for us. Do I really want somebody who just made that request working for my company, uh, talking to clients every single day, having interactions right. with coworkers? Um, you know, to some degree, anybody in any business has a fiduciary responsibility. You know, I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? And so the decision was made, actually, you know, to, to, to terminate with cause because of the, the fraud request. Um, terminate with cause because, right. because, you know, because there was this certain inherent feeling that, you know, that the fraud was requested. You know, maybe not committed, but it was requested. And, you know, integrity... Chuck, as, as you very well know, and we've talked about that offline, integrity is such a, 
amazing thing that needs to exist in business, and when it doesn't, you know, tough things can happen in business. And so you need to have integrity, I guess, is my point. So, so the, the decision was made, you know, to have this employee uh, leave the company with cause, and then that employee actually chose to, you know, apply for unemployment, and that unemployment was disputed. And, um, and quite frankly, and this is where kind of the keys to the case are, the, the unemployment was ultimately granted. The, the employee collected unemployment for quite some time, from my understanding, because the company did, um, did not have proper records. Um, that's what it came down to, is that the when the employee filed for unemployment, obviously the company disputed that unemployment for the reasons we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. um, through a, a large chain of events of having hearings and all these different things, the employee actually won and was able to collect unemployment benefits. Their health insurance, obviously, because that was less disputable, was um, you know was canceled. You know, and they could have chosen, which I don't know if they did or not, to continue that on by paying for it themselves through um, Cobra. The thing that that was a major just shock in this whole deal was that because of lack of documenting the situation properly, um, with the conversation that the employee had with the business owner and, and also all of the activities, you know, because any employee, no matter how perfect or imperfect they are, they, they need to be written up or there needs to be a, a paper trail of, you know, if they show up late or if they, you know, miss work because of this or um, or communicate, you know, that there's a problem here. And that did not occur in this business. It didn't occur to the degree that the employee, uh, the unemployment board wished that it would have. And so when it kind of came down to the brass tacks of deciding does the employee, the former employee, get unemployment or not, the judge or whoever was you know, hearing this, this scenario said yes, yes they do, because they were a model employee up until then. And the truth was they weren't a model employee. They weren't a bad employee. They just had never been, you know, the, the file had never been documented when they showed up later, didn't call in for work or yeah. day of work or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And so, the, you know, kind of the keys to this case is you've got to document everything that happens with your employees, and it can be an arduous task, but it needs to occur. Sure. I think that's a great, that's a great point because so much of that interaction between the employee and management, for lack of a better word, you know, can be, it's lots of little stuff, you know. Well, Joe showed up late again today, you know. And all right, well, that's fine, whatever. You know, let's, get, let's just get out. You know, let's just get rolling. It kind of builds over time. And I think in a more stereotypical case, it's, say, this, this, this mythical employee, Joe, you know, he's late a couple times a week. You know, he's kind of a jerk sometimes. There's, but there's no one thing that happens, like Joe crashes a skid steer into a client's car, you know, because he's drunk, like, and you're fired. But it's just like this right. little drip of stuff that if never documented, I would imagine Joe could say, well, why are you firing me? You know, I'm not a bad employee. I didn't do anything wrong, which on paper is true. If if you never document when he's late and when he screws up and write, write him up for bad things, and, you know, it's just like this feeling that you have. Like, I don't like Joe. You know, he's bad for business, right? And that's not well, going to hold up in front of an arbiter, you know? Yeah, you're exactly correct. And, you know, and the truth is is that those arbiters are pro, typically pro-employee, not pro-employer, I mean, typically you, you've got to be able to, you know, to open and shut black and white, um, you know, prove your case. I mean, that's a that's a pretty important, you know, piece of all of this. That hey, you got you got to have that backup documentation. And I agree with you. You know, it's it's the the, uh, the egregious things that are very visible, like you know, smashing a skid steer into a car or whatever while you know impaired. That's egregious. That's provable. That can happen right there at the moment. You can go get you know drug or alcohol test. Boom. 
that's an open and shut case, but it's when there's just the slight small little things that occur on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week or month-to-month basis, and you don't document those with an otherwise pretty decent employee, you, you, might have a you might have a problem when an ambiguous situation occurs that isn't highly documentable. So it just, it's, a, it's a challenge. Somebody recently exposed me to the, the term, there's a book out there, um, the term hairball, and just, you know, just how you know, it starts with one problem, and then it just continues to escalate into problem after problem after problem, or complexity after complexity after complexity, and how that hairball exists in businesses today. And HR is that for most business owners. I mean, it is just this giant hairball that is confusion. They don't really even know how to dismantle it. But in this situation, um, this business owner learned a lot about documenting. I bet. Um, and you know, and and the other thing that I would say is, is that most business owners, and I hear this, Chuck, almost every single time I have a conversation of, about HR with a business owner, they go, but Jason, I can't afford to lose any of my staff. It's already hard enough to find people. Sure. And my, res my response to that is, and I, and I say this constantly and consistently, that business owners absolutely unequivocally need to build a bench in their business. They need to have a bench of people just like a basketball team, just like a baseball team, total sports analogy, they have to have a bench of employees. And they say they can't afford them, and my response is I can always go back to their numbers and I can prove how they can't afford not to. It's, a, it's a, just a total challenge that business owners need to recognize that they need to have more people to get the work done than what is necessary. You know, and, and the example that I give, and I feel like I've told you this before, although I don't think I've ever said it on a, on a, uh, on a podcast before, is that if we think about it, like today's a great example, I'll, I'll admit that we're recording this on President's Day. For some people, this is a holiday, certainly a banking and federal holiday. There might be some landscape companies who are in 12-month you know, markets that today is a holiday for them. That's a paid holiday or their people are off today. Right. If you sit and you think about how many holidays that the United States at least has in a given year, um, that are paid holidays, Fourth of July and Christmas and New Year's and Memorial Day and Labor Day and Thanksgiving and I'm sure there's a host of others that I'm not thinking about. That all of a sudden, those 10 or 11 holidays a year that are days off for people automatically takes our five-day work week into a four-day work week or sometimes even a three-day work week when Christmas falls on a Thursday you know, or something exactly. like that. Yeah. So we need, then we throw in weather. You know, uh, we, 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 you know, rain affects the landscape industry. Then we throw in what I call the idiotic employee that makes stupid decisions the night before and has to not come into work the next day, uh, which happens to all of us in this industry. So th there's a case to be made that our schedule can only really be built to 80%, four out of five days a week, because of the right. built-in days that we know every single week, every single month that we're going to lose. So why not build the bench to accommodate an 80% schedule? And here's where it gets really powerful, is, is when you build that bench and then you land a really large client, you have 20% flexibility in your schedule that you can take on that big client or take on that big project or get that project done for an existing client that has a three-day turnaround, which has happened to all of us. So as much as having all this compliance is important, it also just comes down to you know, the, the base foundation of just making sure that we're paying attention to the people in our businesses and how we hire them and who they are and how we train them and you know how well versed they are to do the job that we've hired them for. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's something I think a lot of guys struggle with. And to a, almost to a person, almost every owner I've talked to in the past probably four to five months has said, 
there's more work out there than we can do. There's the only limiting factor right now is my ability to put jobs in the ground or to get crews out on a site. And that's what's that's what's limiting us right now. It's not the economy anymore. It's not people not spending money anymore. Right. We just don't have the people. And I think that's why I think so much of these so much of what we've been talking about today is so important because if you can't get that part set up right and then scale it, I mean that that's where all the all the rest of those decisions are going to flow from. Sure. If you've got a, if you've got a handbook, if you've got your filing system set up, if you if you know what the laws are that you that you have to abide by, you know those are going to apply. Like you said, whether you have one employee or ten or a hundred, that's really where I think the the best landscapers are going to be able to succeed because they're going to have that locked in, and then they're going to get the people, and then they're going to roll. I don't think it go, I don't think it goes the opposite. I don't think you grow your your business to three million and then figure out HR. Right? Maybe not in a perfect world. Well, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, though, Chuck, I mean, as, as much as I would agree with you um, in concept and theory, um, I mean, I, I have lots of business owners that are running $3 million a year organizations that, have, that don't have HR policies. And it's not because they don't want them. It's because it is so thinking confusing. And to your point at the very beginning of our, of our uh, recording, that they're focused on other things. They're focused on client retention. They're focused on selling. They're focused on their finances, and HR is just not on that list. But it needs it needs to be on the list for every, like I said earlier, every single company that has one employee or more. If you're issuing a W-2 paycheck or even a 1099, you know, I mean, even if you have 1099 folks because you're relatively small, there are still things that that need to be that need to be addressed. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. But I find, I mean, sometimes I get the phone call from those three million dollar a year companies saying, "Hey, we need to come in." And you know, I mean, I, I met with a with a couple couple two three weeks ago who own a substantial company and um, and do not have the, the HR policies that they that they need to have in in place. And so they they need to address that. Otherwise, they have a significant amount of liability. Yeah, and that's that's really what the scary thing is: is that liability. Because, like you said, if somebody comes in, wants to see the papers, and they're not there, I mean, yeah, I know, I know lots of contractors who who have had that happen. I'm sure you do as well, and that's a totally different podcast. But that right there, I think, is enough motivation to say, well, we should probably get this in order. And I think you can make a business case for it. Well, um, absolutely. I mean, and the and the scary part, and I don't, and, and you know, and I truly, I really try to be a realist when it comes to this topic of HR. But one of the things that exists out there, and you're right, it's not for this this topic, but it's definitely something that business owners need to dip their toe in. If, if their head's spinning right now after you know listening to what we've talked about, they're going, "Oh my gosh, what are you know what are our policies or whatnot?" They need to recognize that the Department of Labor right now, currently in the United States of America, has an inordinate amount of power to uh, make business owners' lives very, very challenging. They do. It's true. If an employee wants to file a grievance against the business, they can do that, and the Department of Labor most typically will go in and investigate that. If they find one small infraction, let's say it's a small overtime infraction for a, 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 an hourly employee that works in the office, okay, they can then audit the entire business, and they can go back two years or longer, depending on how big the infraction is, and you have to pay all of the back overtime if you've made a mistake, and you have to pay a fine. And those two numbers, sometimes the, sometimes the fine exceeds the overtime violation, and those two numbers can sometimes put a business out of business. I, I, I know people that it's happened to. I know people that it's happened to, 
I'm sure you know people that it's happened to. It's it's a it's a scary scary thing. I don't say that to get everybody you know because I am so not a fear based leader whatsoever. But it's a reality of the world that we're living in today, and we have to be aware of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we could get into a long conversation about whether or not that's right that the Department of Labor has that authority, but that's not going to get us anywhere. I mean, I think I think we all have to deal with the reality as it stands and know that. If, if they've got all those auditors on the ground, they don't do that just because they want them to sit around and drink coffee all day. You know, they've got them out there looking for stuff. And what do they say? The best, the best defense or the best offense is a good defense, or vice versa. But if you've got all your ducks in a row, you don't have anything to worry about. Then you can Absolutely. focus on the work. Yeah, you're exactly right, and, with, and and you're exactly correct. I mean, the Department of Labor has a bunch of you know investigators that are out there. They don't just show up. They you know there has to be reason, but. You know, the, the scary part is is that, or no, that's not the scary part. The great news is, to your point, is that if you have, you know, updated the handbook and you've got policies and procedures and you've written your employees up and you've got paper trails and, you, and, and then let's say you make that same overtime violation, the investigator is going to go a lot, or at least my experience is, they're going to go a lot less punishable on you because you are actually trying to put things into place. But if they show up and they're like, we don't have a handbook, we've never written employee yet, we just do this, we just do that. You know, I mean, if they have, they have fairly lax procedures, then that's right. when they're going to say, not only do you have to get compliant, we're going to go back and we're going to clean you up, and it's going to be painful. <laughs> so, well, this is, this is good, dude. This is a great place to start. Let's do this again. You want to do this again? I, I, I think we, should, we, we say that. We say that we say that we're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to do it again. All right. Uh, I think that we need to peel off the time because I think it's valuable for me to articulate that, and I hope that people are listening to this and you know the readers of the magazine. Um, but it's valuable for them as well. I think so, and it's fun. I think it's it, these are stories that I think are good to get out, like we've talked about before. That you know the the average contractor, like when I go to GIC, I don't have guys don't come up to me and say, I say, hey, how's it going? How's your year? They don't say, oh, it's been terrible. You know, my my best salesman just ran off with two million dollars, and and my wife, and I don't know if I'm going to survive till December. You know, I don't usually get I get some of those, but I don't get a lot of those. You don't get that candor all the time, and I think this is a good way, I think, maybe to have folks realize that they're not alone out there and that a lot of people have these same kind of problems, and, you know, maybe we could start some other conversations with folks folks out there in, in the rest of the country, so I, I think it's good. Absolutely. I'm totally for it. I think it's a, I think it's a great, uh, I think it's a great medium, so cause I agree with you that contractors just, they're, sometimes they're just not able to be as transparent just because of, you know, running a business and reputation and pride and, you know, and knowing that employees are paying attention and all that kind of stuff. So they can pick up a couple of nuggets after out of a conversation like this, and it is totally 110% worth it. So awesome. Fantastic. Cool. Well, Jason, thank you very much for taking the time. I enjoyed this. You bet. Thanks, Chuck. Have an awesome day. And to everybody that's listening, I hope you guys have great days as well. <laughs>